Hey everybody, welcome to the Linux Cast. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Josh. And I'm Steve-O. Yes, he is. Alright, so, if you're watching and you're listening, you may notice a difference here. Tyler is not here. He's on a Mickey Mouse cruise. He's not actually on a Mickey Mouse cruise. He's, he's on some kind of, like... I don't know what cruise he was on, but I made fun of him because I, I had hoped that he was on the Mickey Mouse cruise. Um, because that would have been highly entertaining and would have just led to many, many, many jokes. <laughs> like, what were you doing with that mouse there, Tyler? <laughs> yeah, so I, I can help myself. Anyways, he's on a cruise. He's, he'll be gone this week and next week he will return, so don't worry about it. So, that is uh, the podcast we're, we're going to leave now, I guess. I don't know. This is the Linux... I miss him. I miss him already. Yeah. He's the, he's the one that keeps us together and on topic. So you get mm-hmm. that's what you guys should expect from this. We're not going to be on topic. So this is a Linux cast. We talk about Linuxy things, and that's what we plan on doing today. We talk about you know the news and stuff like that. But first, uh, Josh, what have you been doing this week in Linux? Well, you see, uh, last week I decided I was going to install a development release of a distro just so that way I can actually you know uh, mess around with a. Uh, oh, apparently my camera's broken, but it's fine. But anyways, uh. Last week, I installed OpenMandriva, the cooker edition, so I can look at the uh, latest and greatest of, of KDE Plasma. So, uh, t- this week, in fact, uh, this morning, uh, because, you know, I decided I was going to install a real man's operating system of Gen 2 Linux again, and uh, that mis- that failed miserably because I don't know how to set up a uh, encrypted root-, root file system, apparently. Uh, I decided, you know what, last-ditch effort, we looked at Plasma last week, let's look at GNOME this week. So, I installed the world's greatest operating system of GNOME OS, and that's what I'm talking to you now from. <laughs> so, there's a chance that because this is a development preview and it's not necessarily a real operating system that any logical person is supposed to use, uh, there's a chance I might everything on my end might actually crash because, you know, I'm currently joining you guys through Epiphany, the world's greatest web browser. And by the way, Matt, you should probably look at it. <laughs> I made a video on it. You should make an updated video because it is, that is much better. Did they fi- like holy crap? Did they finally add? I know they were adding plugins, but when I trusted it, they hadn't added it yet. Is the pl- are the plugins uh, working yet? Uh, extensions, yeah, extensions. do exist. They they exist. Uh, they're just not present. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I I got burned, but last but, week when I was using Vivaldi, I, I'm kind of very touchy when i'm using other browsers now <laughs> well you, you see the, the the best thing right now is that you can actually play back youtube videos with actual hardware acceleration oh you mean you mean it's not going to be like uh stop bit motion anymore how cool yeah um it like it's it's honestly like the second fl- most flawless youtube experience i've ever had without having to use google chrome mm. it wow. is just below firefox these days just barely I think if you were actually to use GNOME, it probably would, because it fits in very prettily, but only if you never use a browser. <laughs> yep, but anyways, uh, so if you don't know what GNOME OS is, I highly recommend that you install uh, GNOME boxes through Flatpak and tell it to install GNOME OS for you. Don't do what I did, install it on hardware, because uh, GNOME OS is literally just enough operating system for GNOME. It and uh, basically, there is no such thing as, like, a package manager. Uh, it, it's a Linux-based distribution, uh, which, by the way, uh, as I discussed with Matt earlier, there are no GNU core utils here. So I'm on a GNU-free system. So uh, I am not using GNU slash Linux. So, so you, you, you uh, neckbeards, uh, you, 
shut up right now. <laughs> uh, there is no there is no GNU in my operating system, so I am using Linux. All right, can we just talk about this for a second? Like, <laughs> Linux developers, specifically distro developer, distro and desktop environment developers, have a serious problem. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking to you, Steve. Uh, <laughs> so we got to be really careful talking about distro <laughs> developers when he's there's one sitting right over there. Uh, <laughs> see, he's got his like his arms crossed. Like, let me see what he's got to say about this now. <laughs> anyway, anyways, like, <laughs> why? Like, what was the purpose of creating your own thing for this, like Gnomes? It did not make any does not make any sense to me whatsoever. Just use, I mean, Fedora is already basically base vanilla Gnome. They make hardly any changes to it whatsoever, out of the box. Why not just Fedora, use Fedora? E- even KDE Neon just used Ubuntu. They didn't create their own thing. Like yeah, they they've they've decided to create their own package manager, PKCon or whatever it's called, you know, or whatever. But it still has apt installed and still has the GNU core utils and still pulls from the Ubuntu repositories and stuff like that. So I mean, what was the purpose of creating a development platform separate from a different distribution? What could possibly be the development? I mean, because I mean, when you're creating a piece of software, what you want to do is test it on things, something that somebody's actually going to use right to... so the main the, the main reason for gnome os's existence is actually not intended for gnome itself it's actually for extension maintainers and developers because it's it's a pre-compiled version of of the next preview release of gnome so it's actually intended for for extension developers to be able to pull that down and uh, run it as in a virtual machine and be able be able to develop and maintain their extension for future versions of GNOME because not every single extension developer is using anything like Fedora Rawhide or or like uh, Arch Linux in the testing repositories. That's really it. Right, but they could have just taken Fedora Rawhide and just made that their distro. I mean, they they are using OS tree, so there's a little bit of that. It it didn't in this case it to me it just didn't make, not make any sense to make anything new but, but that's beside the point all right um Steve what did you do this week in Linux me this week Linux uh maintain uh, work on zero Linux of course the gnome edition uh, uh, he's working of, on, he's working on uh, zero hype or hypex <laughs> uh, not no 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 uh I, I did it I built one for myself already. It's done, <laughs> but it's broken. Uh, it, it's not working 100% well. Uh, but uh, I was uh, working on 0G. Uh, but other than that, I was uh, reading a lot on the Arch Wiki because I needed to understand more about what my distro is working on top of, which is Arch. So I wanted to know more about Arch and stop preaching to the users RTFM, RTFM when I didn't RTFM to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was like, uh, stop preaching and do what you're preaching. So uh, yeah, that's what I've been doing uh, with uh, Linux for the past week and struggling with my ISP because, yeah, when you want to go live, you don't want to go uh, live with uh, YouTube cutting you halfway because not enough data is being received, uh, where when users and listeners will get half the subjects you're talking about. 
So yeah, uh, nothing much. And I was working on uh, uh, on some of your uh, XFCE rice. I wanted to see if I can implement some of it into KDE. Some of Just the ideas. Xerox OS. Xerox. Oh. <laughs> Xerox. Yeah, and then I have a, lo- a lawsuit on my hands. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, and uh, I've been messing around with a few tools here and there, and OBS. Mainly OBS. OBS has been occupying most of my time because OBS is uh, very sensitive when you use uh, plugins that uh, from from the dark web, as I call them, <laughs> uh, from places that are not 100% supported, basically. You know, uh, I don't use a single but, OBS plugin. Uh, I don't either. I tried one that uh, got merged into OBS itself. And then I didn't need it anymore. So I used two. I w- I want to, but then I see they're written in Lua for the most part, <laughs> and I kind of want to. Yeah, that is. Uh, uh, you can uh, use Lua or Python to develop it to, to develop a plugin for OBS. As I'm, you... I saw most of them are developed in Lua. Most yeah. of them are because well, Lua is just a better language than Python when it comes in terms of performance. I don't have yeah, a, a no. rat in that race, but I would just say I don't like Lua. Uh, I per- I like Python. <laughs> so, um, I don't blame you. A- a- anyway. The plugin the pl- the plugin I was talking about was uh, the way uh, you can add per application audio. Uh, it's a pipewire thing. Oh, that's you can cool. add per per Why application don't you just use Jack? audio. Uh, I tried using Jack. Yeah, it's a nightmare, dude. <laughs> you just set up you just create a Jack source in OBS and then point and then use your patch bait and point the audio feed to it. See, Josh says yeah. Josh has all these words, but then he doesn't realize that those words doesn't don't really translate into things that I understand. <laughs> that makes two of us, dude. That makes two of us. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, do a video on it just for you, Steve. Also, does does Jack work on Pipewire? Yes. Yeah, if you can't right. make it work on, on Pipewire, but it needs a lot of work. Why on earth then? It, why why do we need Pipewire? If, if all the same tools work. And are just gonna stay the same? What was I, I? I don't answer that. I don't need to know. It it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> You're digging a deep hole right there. Uh, it pipewire is latency free. Sure, sure. Um, no, but be able to add uh, apl- each application's audio instead of recording the desktop audio. That is amazing because you can you can for the the basic use of this one is you can. Uh, record a game let's say you're playing a game instead of recording the desktop audio and have all your clackily clacks and stuff uh, sound off or no- your uh, notifications. discord notifications yeah, yeah uh, sound out you're just capturing the game audio i would it's love that because lo- then i could although it wouldn't work because everyone's both you guys' audio is coming through discord so it still wouldn't work for me yeah it, it, no, but it's there capturing are other applications there are yeah, other like, applications that work like me, just have Josh calling on Jitsi and Steve UP on Discord, <laughs> and, and then we'll get Tyler to call in on Skype just because just to troll him. <laughs> actually, I think Skype does actually channel an individual audio feed if you're using if you uh, well, tell Skype to run through a Jack server. Well, which Pipewire does Skype, act as a Jack server. Skype supports what is that NVN NVC NVNC something like that. I'm not sure if that's what yeah. it's called, and that will actually send out like the actual like video and audio stream 
whereas Discord does not support that, which is you probably and if it did support it, you'd need Nitro. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. You probably would need Nitro. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, but the basic the basic use for me that will allow me to plug another thing I'm working on is zero plays. Zero plays is going to be something where I stream for up to four hours of gameplay. It will allow me to uh, capture just the game audio instead of getting the notifications in. Uh, but uh, this plugin has been merged into OBS, but it's not. It's merged, but not yet public. I don't know what. what it's there. It's accepted. It's all in green. They're waiting for one guy to to finally do one thing to check, and it's out there in OBS, but it's still not out there. All right, but it's amazing. I thought about using the Snap version of OBS because um, Martin Wimpress packages that, and he has a ton of different uh, uh, plugins for that he built right into that Snap. But then it's it's Snap, and I don't want to use Snap, so that's not gonna happen. All right, so speaking speaking of which, you are on you are on Fedora. So since you are on Fedora, can't you add the uh, glorious Eggroll repositories and grab his uh, OBS package? Because it's an amazing package that I would like to port to Arch. I'm sure I probably could. Yeah, I just haven't. I just use the regular standard flat pack. There's an there's an OBS AUR build that has no, like don't, all the features. Don't don't don't. Oh, you know the, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Titan but, 652, Titan 652. Yeah, that one, that one. Yeah. But anyways, uh, Matt, since you're using OBS, if you're using the Flatpak version of OBS, you can actually install some plugins through Flatpak. I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure I can. I just haven't because. Yeah. Flat... I honestly, I honestly think that you would love the uh, motion animation plugin. Well, I, I, I always look at some of them very, you know, I, I really want to use them, but then I have so many problems with OBS as it is. It's, it feels like almost like using mods on games and Skypes. Like mods are really cool in in Steam, and uh, you know, like especially like say City Skylines, which is the game I put, play the most often on Steam. I use a ton of mods, but they crash the game all the time. That's what I'm worried about with OBS. Like if I add, I know if I add one plugin, I'm going to add a whole bunch of plugins, and then there's going to be two plugins that don't work really well together, and then it's going to crash midway through the stream, and then I'm going to be screwed. You are... You are not wrong, Matt. You are not wrong. Uh, I am. I can attest to that. But uh, uh, there's one thing. We're talking about flat packs. There's one thing reviewers like yourself and others keep saying about flat packs, which isn't true. It might be true for some packages, but it's not true for all of them. Like you can do flat pack install OBS. You don't need to know the full org.com dot whatever full package name it, it, for it, some of them you do but not all of them I mean, that's what i said some of them you'd need because they have convoluted names i think but originally most packages... i said that but that was like two years ago so you can't hold me to that stuff oh uh, uh, yeah well i uh, mean it was true back then too um yeah well i the way i do it i just install with like i installed zonotic yesterday because i, I have a game to play with someone uh i type Flatback installs Zonotic and installed Zonotic. Yeah, so, it, that uh, that works some of the time. Um, but also I don't. Sometimes that doesn't. I mean, it works, but then, like, say for example, OBS. You type in. It will give. It gives you yeah, like twelve you different list. ones, and you have to search through the mm -hmm. ones. And my twelve. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> like so, uh, twenty-six. Or whatever. 27. Um, well, I can find out real quick for you. Let's do a. Let's uh bust out this here. Let's do a uh. 
flat pack search OBS. Uh, there are. 47 options. Right. And yep. the problem is is that they're in a different order every time you do it. Yep. That's correct. So That is absolutely correct. So you can't just re- memorize like, hey, it's always two. Um, I found that it most usually is two, but sometimes it's not two, and then you end up installing something that's not what but, you're supposed to. But, but that has an argument. If you don't do it that way, it will not show you the plugins for OBS for those yeah. who want to use plugins. You have to type flatback install OBS to get the, show the everything. List of plugins. Just put them in alphabetical order. You know what I mean? <laughs> Literally yeah. all I'm asking. Flatback needs to get better. Well, hey, yeah. you know what? You know what? We're we're already off on a tangent, and well, let's 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 take a moment and ask Matt what you, what did you do in Linux this week? Yeah. All right. So I'm not going to talk about that. Instead, I'm going to talk about what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm installing Gen two tomorrow. Um, that's my plan. Uh, and I'm going to do it all by myself. That's the reason why I want to do this is that I actually want to go through the, the, the Gentoo wiki or documentation or whatever, install it by myself. Cause you, Todd, Josh, you and Ben always have like things. That you, I mean, you guys know how to do it and you know what to skip. We, we, we have opinions and Gen, and Gentoo allows opinions. Yeah. So I understand. So I want to actually follow the guide for once and read through why you need to do each thing, why you don't need to do some things or whatever. Cause um, when I do it from you guys, I just kind of skip the rationale between each step and just copy and paste the commands, and I don't want to do that. So I'm gonna, I'm going to to install it all by myself, and we'll see how it goes. I'm not wiping out Fedora, so we don't have to worry about that. I'll actually probably do it. For- I was just gonna say that. <laughs> I was like, you're wiping Fedora? No. Um, my plan is just well, to do it from Fedora, is like install it through Fedora and just onto my other hard drive. That's my plan. Well, well, Matt, just to let you know, even though it boots, that doesn't mean that you're done installing Gen 2. It's actually about a three-week process before you can actually say that you successfully installed Gen 2. Well, I, I know that that's true because half of the time – because you still have to do all the piddly yep, stuff. You have and to the, do all the use flags, recompiles, all the little tinkering. And, and struggle with Dbus for at least half a day because <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going to happen every single time. Anyways – um, I'm sorry, Matt, but by yourself, I don't recommend it. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. <laughs> hey, Matt, I, if anything, I do recommend that you at least have the uh, IRC chat room connected to Libero chat, and you're sitting in the in the uh, Gen 2 chat room. That way, if you do have issues, you can ask in there and go like, "Hey, I'm getting this. I'm getting this uh, dependency conflict. Hey, what's? Can uh, any of you help me figure this out? My, my, you know, at least be able to do that. My purpose. Maybe not be. My purpose isn't necessarily to even get to a finished system. I just want to f- try it and learn some stuff. So I- I- hey, if I that, fail, fine. I'll start over again. You know, that's the fun thing. Anyways, that's what I plan on doing for tomorrow. Um, let's go ahead then and move on to what we're actually supposed to be talking about. <laughs> but that's okay. We had some good talk, good conversations there. So uh, let's see here. Josh, why don't you tell us your first news item of the week? Uh, so, uh, if you guys know anything about Linux, Linux is all about community and collaborative, uh, work, uh, which, as a result, one of the most important features for, uh, you know, anybody that uses Linux for, like, media content creation or, like, media viewing or consumption or anything like that, are happy to see that Red Hat is officially hosting a Hackfest, uh, for implementing HDR support on Linux. Uh, basically what a Hackfest is, is that's when... They grab a bunch of people physically and put them all in the same room and tell them to work on something. You know, just mm-hmm. like the good old days. 
<laughs> and of course, as a person that's that doesn't have an HDR co- compatible device, I have no idea what HDR actually looks like. It, but nonetheless, I'm told that high dynamic range viewership is amazing to look at and very beautiful. So I'm excited to to have you know a prettier screen. <laughs> um, but you, this is cool. It, it is cool. <laughs> I think, and of course, uh, go ahead. Honestly, like it's it's a feature that we've needed to be working on, and I'm glad that we're finally getting around to it. Uh, I know that uh, there was some news recently about Valve hiring some guy to work on HDR, but uh, I think it was last year or two years ago. Uh, Carlos Soriano, it was actually hired by Red Hat to work on a, uh, or not not Carlos, but uh, Sebastian Wick. Uh, was hired by Red Hat to work on HDR support, and he has actually gotten a relatively decent uh, framework to to be able to uh, get 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 the implementation in there. It's just that he needs help because he's been the, he's literally been the one guy working on HDR support, which, to my understanding, is a very complicated complicated thing to uh, you know be able to set up. So, so it it's honestly like uh, he's needed help and. Valve, Valve investing into it now, that's pretty big because you know people like people like their video games when they're pretty. This is going so, this is going to be Wayland, right? It, it probably will be Wayland. It's probably not going to be backported to Xorg anytime soon. But uh, to my understanding, from like what I know of HDR, is it's primarily a driver implementation. So it it sh- it might work on Xorg. I don't know. Cool. Uh, I have no interest in HDR whatsoever because I probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference because <laughs> it's crappy monitors. But um, it's cool for those people who have HDR. So. Well, HDR, uh, HDR. I see this whole idea behind HDR a bit weird because very few people can see HDR, uh, can benefit from HDR. I mean. Uh, you need to have a TV with HDR support, which is not easy to get. You have to have a monitor with HDR uh, support, which is expensive to get. Uh, so HDR is for the those people who love the eye candy. Well, it used to be the same case for high definition, too. Well, I, it will trickle down. No, high definition was easier to get than HDR well, is today. Not when it first came out. <laughs> when, when, no. when HDR first came out, it was really freaking expensive. <laughs> I mean, like you go to the store and you want f- like four or five thousand dollars for a TV. Um, it definitely has come down well, in price, and and HDR but, HDR stuff will too. I but I don't I don't think, and this is where you're right, Steve, is is that the difference the difference between standard definition and H and high definition was so vast that ever, I mean, if you stared between two two TVs that one was SD, one was HD, you could tell the difference. Everyone could tell the difference, right? Whereas with non-HDR and regular HDR, it, that's really going to depend on the mo- the monitor or the TV because it's going to depend on the brightness of the display, the environment that you're in, because it requires like a two like two like what a two thousand nits or something like that. It's it's some, I don't know what the actual number is, but it requires a huge amount of brightness. And if you're in a bright like room or whatever, it makes very little difference from from what I've read. I don't know if that's actually true. I don't. Other than I, I could I, I I have HDR TV. I can. I can tell you the the difference. Okay, I come from a cinema background. Uh, grandfather, gran- my father, everybody, my sister is a director. My best friend is a director. Everybody is in the cinema world. But 
uh, from a perspective of it's like talking to a normal person and an audiophile uh, when it comes to audio. Well, uh, if you come to me uh, and you ask me what uh, is is the difference between regular and HDR worth it, I would say if you're a regular person, no, it's not worth it. If you are a cine, uh, how we say it in French, uh, cinéphile. Well, like I said, it it if you're a content creator, it's probably a fantastic thing to have. It, a content creator or a cinema lover or a visual lover like me, for example, when it comes to a, a, a anamorphic widescreen, people keep fighting me. I don't want to, I don't want to see black bars on top and bottom, uh, crop the image, they crop the image, they mess it up and they lose like 60% of the image just because they hate black bars. Same thing with HDR. Uh, to me, it's the same thing. Don't get rid of HDR for me, but uh, for a regular person, they're not going to notice the difference. On the contrary, they're going to hate HDR because HDR is a little bit darker, uh, a little bit more uh, uh, tone neutral, if, 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 uh, if I could say. It, will, it would seem weird to the user. And no, uh, unless you are a person who is immersed into cinematography and understand the, the science of the image, uh, like why noise is necessary, grain noise, or whatever you want to call it, is necessary to feel the uh, uh, the analog aspect of the of the image. If you don't understand all that, then HDR is not for you. Just watch regular content. I see a lot of people downloading movies that are 350 megabytes in size, and they're okay with it. Why why uh, introduce HDR to those people? And those people are the majority, not the minor minority. Not to say bandwidth, they just download it because they just want to watch the movie and get it over with. Well, they don't care what the image looks like. There, I mean, there are a lot of people who want the highest... I mean, that's the reason why 4K exists, because most people... Yeah. Uh, maybe not most people, but if that people, people... It's a hype. It's a hype thing. Well, it's a hype thing. I, like, I can't tell... I can... I mean, I can tell the difference between 4K and HD, but the, the difference between... 4K and HD is not so great that I care to to download you know 80 gigabytes for a YouTube video. You know what I mean? Exactly, uh, exactly. Well, like I, I know it's not that I, high, I, I but you know what I mean. I myself uh, either buy or download uh, movies that are 4K uh, Remux. When you see the word Remux in the name, that means it's uncompressed. It's as it is uh, from the disc to the MKV format. It's as is, untouched, uncompressed. That's the ones I download. And sometimes they reach as high as 170 to 200 gigabytes in size. Depends on the length of the movie, of course. But uh, like Ben-Hur, when, when, when the 4K release comes out, no, it did come out. It's one of the best uh, remasters ever made. It's like, it's like remember, remember back when you used to be able to get – there was some – Movies that were so long, they came on two VHS tapes, and then, yeah. <laughs> like like they, for sure, like the Titanic came that way, and there's several the, others. The Titanic came on too. I think yeah. there were some early versions of two, uh, two versions. No, there were two versions of Titanic. There was a long play version on VHS. Yeah, the extended cut. The the yeah. Lord of the Rings trilogy is on the. I think I think the Return of the King is on like three VHS tapes for the, for the director's cut. Um. Well, the even even on DVD, the Lord yeah. of the Rings came in on two. 
and that was you know that's fairly recently like within the last what 15 years or whatever but before that there was a there, yeah. there was a movie called gangs of new york it had Dan, daniel day lewis in it and leonardo dicaprio that came out on two d two uh dvds um and that wasn't yeah, even well, that wasn't uh, even an extended cut that was just the movie you know the uh, the lord of the rings extended blu-rays came on three blu-rays yeah um yeah, but anyways, when, <laughs> when it comes down to HDR, I'm just glad that we're getting support for it. Yeah. That, that's what I'm most excited about. I, yeah. It's not like I actually plan to use it. It's just like, but, you know, one of these days, 10 years in the future, I might have an HDR display and a full HDR compatible system, well, and I'd be excited if my operating system also Yeah, because eventually they're going to find a standard that works for everybody. And it will filter down into the yeah, it'll just, just like RGB. It'll, it'll just come. Yeah. It'll just come down, and it will be a thing that you have. You know what I mean? It's it's a technology to. They're coming up with it right now because gaming. Gaming in HDR is different. Yes, watching well, movies video in games HDR have is... pushed so much 3D acceleration technology. It's insane. Well, I mean, gaming and porn have always pushed the display technologies. Well, por- porn has porn has pushed video camera technology, so. not necessarily uh, 3D graphics. Well, I mean, <laughs> well, hey, you want to know what? Yeah, I probably. <laughs> uh, anyways, probably should not go into that that discussion there. Anyways, um, the internet is made for porn. Yeah, uh, Steve, your first link of the of the week. My first link of the week is Budgie 10.7 is out. For someone who doesn't use Budgie or has ever used Budgie, uh, I've been following the news. That's as far as I went with Budgie, but uh, I kind of like it as opposed to GNOME uh, because they uh, do things a little bit better than GNOME. That I want to keep it very simple. Uh, but uh, Budgie desktop lead developer Joshua Strobel announced that that uh, general availability of Budgie 10.7 as the latest stable update. Well, the changes it makes it's it makes a lot of big big changes in this one. Uh, the budgie, the Budgie menu received a user menu this uh, feature this time around that promises to let you open file manager straight to predefined directories like home documents. We had those. On a lot of desktop environments, but why we didn't have them on Budgie, I don't know. Don't they just use uh, Nautilus? Don't they just use Nautilus? So, uh, Budgie used to use Nautilus, but in yeah. this release, they're changing the they're changing the default file manager from Nautilus. I think they're actually using Nemo nowadays. Yes, they are. We uh, that's better than Nautilus. Well, any okay. First of all, anything's better than Nautilus. Um, so let's not yeah. <laughs> let's let's not get. What do you mean? Nautilus is an amazing file manager. No, it handles my desktop icons for me. Like up until like half half a month ago, I didn't even have a tree view or whatever it was. Um, <laughs> all right. So I have two things to say about this. First, Budgie 11 is at least five years away. I'm, I'm that's my bet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think they've been touting <laughs> Budgie 11 since 2017 at least. Um, when I first yeah. started using Linux, they were they were planning on Budgie 11. It's still not here. It probably is never going to be here. I'm just, I mean, I'm sorry. The the developer guy is like really really friendly. He's very, very active in the community, but that thing's never coming. Uh, the second thing that that I had to say is that man, do I really wish Budgie used just one settings panel? That always bugs me. Like uh, I have two different. That that is something I asked Josh Strobel directly <laughs> on Mastodon. He said that yes, there will be one settings panel for everything in uh budgie 11. yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> you'll get the future you'll get the feature that you want in the version that never comes okay um i, I, the, 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 I know the thing that, i know they're switching the, between frameworks and stuff and that takes time but geez oh, um 
yeah, but it hasn't been recently uh, 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 somebody leaving uh, Budgie and... Well, uh, so Budgie used to be part of the Solus project. Yeah. And then they had they're a... Now separate. They're, they're, not, they're now separate. Yeah, now they're separate. And it's, it, it, Which basically means that you have no reason to run Solus anymore. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you, I don't know that you ever had a good reason to run it to begin with. Their, their repositories were not... Are, are not good um better than some distros i mean they are i could, very, I could very actually strong. make an argument for solus two years ago but nowadays there's no reason to um i don't i we don't have to get into that conversation because I, I solus is a fine distribution but it's not very it's just not something that i could recommend to most people but the the so they, they have separated out but i don't know if this is true or not but do you guys think that it's just josh over there developing this thing or it just feels like it's just now just him uh he's like the most public public face there are there are some he's, uh, he's, people that he's are a, working on it he's kind of like see. the nicolo of uh of budgie he's the public figure see, of budgie where, where is their website listening they have a whole list of the developers let's see buddies of org. uh let's see where is this GitHub link. Primary oh, you have contributors. To... Oh, you it have is, to go all uh... the way there. <laughs> yeah. So it's primarily Josh Strobel, and then there's actually another guy named Campbell Jones that's working on it, but uh, Campbell Jones isn't, hasn't always been a very public kind of person. Uh, I think and, he does. I... He, he has written a couple of the blog posts, but primarily it's Josh. Most, the commits, it... most of the commits are by Josh, no? Yeah. Uh, I think so. Yeah. But yeah, uh, and uh, the fact that their uh, power dialogue was hidden, well, less accessible, and now it's more accessible. I think they. Uh, Go ahead. They were they were a little bit late to the game, kinda. I don't know. <laughs> well, the, the, their biggest issue. All right, so this has always been Budgie's issue is that they changed like. It's it's like they have, they have ADD. They changed things over, and now they've changed file managers, you know. And they're changing from GTK to EFL. And and I mean, the thing with their frameworks is they they've been GTK, you know, since the beginning. Then they decided that they're going to change to QT, uh, and that didn't work out. And then they got pissed off at GTK again, so now they're switching to EFL. Um, and, and they've done that with a lot of their decisions, where it just feels like they've moved between and made different decisions, you know on a whim sometimes and it, they kind of remind me of so, they remind me of someone i know me <laughs> i mean there's nothing wrong with it. it just prevents them from ever getting to you know the next version which is fine but it, you know it's just the way they work so um i actually haven't used budgie in at least a year i should definitely check it out again because it, it's it does ha it's one of those desktop environments that has potential because it's just different enough from gnome but it used to be and there and and there's still GTK three, not GTK four. Well, there's no about Vita yet. There's no chance of them getting GTK four because they're working on EFL now, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. true. I mean, it's uh, the same issue that Cinnamon runs into. Where it's like the the Cinnamon is a fork of GNOME of GNOME thirty. I actually I think it's a fork of like GNOME three dot twenty. Uh, so like their their window manager Mutter or is based off of Mutter three dot twenty two. And it is so old at this point. It's just like, uh, wait, the cinnamon. I'm no, 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 pretty no, sure wait. they just fixed Mutter, that. No, no, Mutter 3.28 is, to me, uh, from my testing on 0G, is still better, uh, uh, more stable than the, the latest Mutter because the latest Mutter and uh, uh, 
uh, Mesa are not cohesive. They're not friends. They're like ma- opposite sides of the uh, or similar uh, uh, similar sides of the magnet. They keep pu- pushing. E- sorry, keep pushing each other out. So it's like one of the uh, mother updates. Mesa breaks. Mesa updates. Mother breaks. <laughs> They're never well, you meeting see, anywhere. Uh, w- when you run a system like NomeOS, you don't have to worry about that because so far, mother has been the most stable thing in my operating system compared to everything else. <laughs> because, okay. Because, uh, uh, maybe you don't have Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I do. <laughs> there you go. As soon as you install Mesa, that that, that the problem will uh, will start. But uh and and the fact that Budgie just introduced uh, uh in 10.7 a screenshot tool uh, uh that is as easy to use as gnome's version or kde's version do it makes me feel they're kind of okay it's a nice change for the people who use uh, they're playing the... a lot of catch but not a whole lot of innovation gotcha. really especially when there's that no is... reason for them to have spent time on that when they could have just used the gnome I mean, like i know i know why they don't because they don't like gnome you know what i mean like but the thing we have other yeah. we have other well, screenshot tools that are really good like Fl- flame shot exists and is fantastic we should just use that <laughs> There is there is one good thing I need to, to uh, I can say however about the, the 10.7 version because I tested it in a VM curiosity uh, uh, their indexer is much quicker than the new indexer that they introduced in 10.7 is way quicker than GNOME's and uh, and KDE's cool uh, because I KDE's think it's Baloo in C that's why yeah uh, because KDE's Baloo is the first thing I disable when I install. Uh, the first thing that I disabled on Zero Linux because uh, Baloo, especially when you install on um, spinning hard drives, it, it, it renders everything uh, very less responsive because it's constantly indexing everything you, every single file that you copy and paste and you move around and stuff. It, it, it It's a nightmare, but their implementation, you barely feel it. This is something, I don't know how they did it, but it, maybe it's in C, like you said. I don't. I'm not a developer, so I don't know. Uh, so, and uh, they made performance. And another thing that is good, they made performance much, much better on a cold boot. I got it to. It was using like around 520 megs in the VM. So it might be using less on real hardware. So that's about it. Uh, other than that, not ma- not many changes. They were they were they stuck to the safe end uh, of things. Which, on 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 a side note, I wanted to ask you guys uh, and uh, the chat, uh, what s- since I'm a distro developer, uh, is a distro that uh, that has reached its uh, peak or pot- potential. Uh, you heard me ask that question on uh, on my Discord, uh, on my podcast, uh, Josh. But uh, like Zero Linux, if it, if I say it reached what it what I set out to reach, would you still be downloading just a tweaked version uh, or uh, let's say a bug fix release, or it's it would lose its uh, pizzazz I still, or... I still think that like as a distro developer you should still push out releases even if they're just bug fixes because that makes the out no, no, of the I'm not, experience better. Uh, I'm not saying users. I will stop. I'm not saying yeah. I will stop. Yeah. Well, I'm just I saying... understand. 
Just but, bug release, uh, bug yeah. re- bug fix releases better than no releases, of course. But when it, if it doesn't have any uh, I mean, changing, it's the, sa- it's the same situation as to what why people still use XFCE because how often does XFCE actually update, Matt? Oh, it's actually updated more often than usual, but usually about once it, a year. It has been updated more often lately, but how often has it historically updated? Oh, Almost uh, never. Every couple of years. There was a period of time. Okay. It was there was a period of time where you went three and a half solid years without a single XFCE yeah. blog post. Four, four dot four dot <laughs> like fourteen or whatever, four dot twelve or whatever it was. It was there for yeah, a long four, time. We had four dot twelve for a very long time to the point where like Debian Stable had the most modern version of XFCE. Because well, it's just it's just <laughs> one dude, you know. It's basically just one guy that does it. Um, same like me. Same like me. So will it will it lose its uh, uh, its pizzazz? Its well, no, charm? No, whatever? because look, XFC is a fantastic example. It stayed the same since the '90s. You know, <laughs> it hasn't changed, and yet they're still upgrading it. And um, it, and they're updating packages. That's all they're doing. They're not making major changes now. They are because uh, 420. Hey, don't preempt the next news, there, douche. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Uh, but in general, what I'm saying is, I can continue releasing bug fix updates without worrying about it losing its charm. That's no, I, I, th- I think that it depends, right? It depends on what you're known for. Like XFC is known for not changing, right? If but if Plasma stopped pushing out brand new features, it would no longer be what people expect to be of Plasma, right? Plasma is supposed to get a whole bunch of new features every time it does release. And if they, if, and despite, I mean, I would love for them to say, hey, hey, we're going to just take a, a year off from new features and we're going to fix all the bugs. So that's what I would love. But the vast majority of that community it expects every time Nate releases a blog post to say, hey, here's five new features. Um, yeah. No, I will. I'll be shipping all the plasma updates that plasma pushes, but me like special features by me. The the, the like vast tweets. majority of people once they have your distro installed, no, I mean, if they're gonna just stick on that distro, no longer care about the distro features. Yeah, realistically, it's just advertising for the brand new user that you're doing at that point. Yeah, yeah, that's Which, what I was. Thinking. I still think yeah. that's a worthwhile endeavor because you should. You should never not support the brand Plus, new user. Plus, always getting, I mean, always getting better, making your installer better, making it look nicer yeah. and stuff like that. And also because you ship with a a desktop environment that changes all the time, and you know we'll have new looks and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong except except for GNOME. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Well, but even even GNOME has changed over the course of the last ten years. I mean, it's different. It was a bit. It's been a big change this past year yeah. alone. You know, it, it's changed. So I mean. Sure, you could stay the same for a little while, but eventually something in the desktop environment that you use is going to prompt you to change something, whether it be from your installer standpoint or your, you know, you need to move your, you know, your welcome screen from GTK3 to GTK4, GTK5, whatever. Eventually you're going to have to do something to fit in. Otherwise you're going to have, you know, a welcome screen that looks from Windows 98 and everything else is going to be updated, right? All right. Oh, these things will change as the thing progresses, but yeah. Uh, I was just asking you guys. Thank you for your input. That's uh, that's very helpful, especially uh, now that I my brain was empty. I was drawing a blank. I don't think I don't so, think it does. Thank you guys. I don't think a distro or a desktop environment is ever going to be some like there are some there are some pieces of software that can be just you know finished. Matt, how often do you go into your bash RC and adjust something? I had al- aliases, but I have a separate file for that. 
that's technically modifying your bash RC because you're you're so uh, maybe one, importing your aliases through your bash RC pro- most likely two or three times a year yeah. probably. Yeah, that oh, is the same logic exists there for like a desktop environment. You're never actually done with it. Well, because you always think of something new you want to add to it. It's it's the exactly it's the Linux users curse. You want to tweak stuff. All right. Anyways. Um, moving on to the next one, which is mine, and I'm going to go ahead and do the one that Steve was alluding to, things that we were just talking about, XFCE. XFCE 4.20 is going to be a big, big change because it's going to finally support Wayland. Um, and I don't know how I feel about this, guys. I don't, you guys know me and Wayland, we don't really get along (laughs) all that much. And like we were talking about, XFC is not known for users who really appreciate change. Um, correct. So honestly, it, it's a worthwhile endeavor. Oh no, I'm sh- it I'm really sure is. it is. My question is going to be: Are they going to do like GNOME does, and keep two different sessions there? So if you want to continue to use Xorg, you can. Or are you just going to when you install 4.20, you're going to be using Wayland whether you like it or not? I don't know. Of course, of course, they're not gonna they're not I gonna think... switch to no to Wayland. Only Wayland. They're gonna keep the, the, the X11 session there. Does that That's... does it say that in this argu- article? Could no, but I've seen I've seen it somewhere where uh, it's gonna going to be like all log since it uses uh, LightDM. Uh, XFCE uses LightDM as its login manager. So in LightDM, by nature, you have all the sessions, and they're gonna keep the X uh, X11. They cannot. Because if they switched completely to uh, to Wayland, they're gonna lose a lot of their user base. Yeah. Because not everyone can support uh, Wayland. I I can still see them maintaining XFWM for for a, a good while yet. Uh, because yep. Wayland itself is not a completed protocol that's fully implemented and everything works flawlessly under Wayland. That's just not a thing that happens right now. Uh, in like five six years, that that whole scenario might change where it's just like you might you might see more systems that are completely x free but uh yeah there is still value in maintaining the xorg the xorg version of xfwm because xfwm does not actually rely on any actual gtk library because it is just a window manager. well the thing so the thing about and uh the thing is is that the developers behind xfc aren't known for maintaining multiple versions of anything right they don't have lts releases or anything like that it's just when the new version comes out that's what's supported uh, so they're not known for having packages that they may like old packages that they just kind of put in maintenance mode, as far as I'm aware, which is basically what they would do with the Xorg version. Um, so I, I but the X, uh, the uh, the Xorg uh, stuff is uh, is just bug fix maintenance and stuff like that. They're, when it comes time to implement Wayland, it's just going to be bug fixes for X11. And the majority of the work happening on Wayland, but X11 is not going to cease to to get because uh, X11 itself uh, well, has okay. Uh, so here's here's my point and the reason why I'm I'm a little worried about this because if if you've used Wayland before, you know that there are certain things when you move over there that you have to find alternatives to. Like uh, for a while there, it was like Rofi would not work on Wayland, so you had to find a, a different version. And that's the reason why you know Tofi and Wolfi things. It's the reason why those exist, and they didn't just use mm-hmm. Wolfi, right? Rofi works now. But it, it didn't when Wayland first came out. And there are many things like that. Like screenshot tools are a big one. A lot of the screenshot tools that work in XORG do not work in Wayland. So, and I'm, and things specifically in XFCE, 
that are display related probably like the panel like the panel one of them uh, the panel is not wayland support it's not supported by wayland for some reason it yeah, it, it works it it works it works yeah. well, okay uh, it doesn't it, there are things in xfc that are meant for x that will have to be oh, yeah. ported over to wayland and having to maintain both versions of those things even if one just goes into bug fix mode, is pro is more than the XFC devs have ever done before. Okay, because usually when well, something's old, they just stop supporting it. They move on to the new thing. Y- yeah, there's a proposal right now that to actually completely kill off X support in in future versions of GTK. I think they're talking about like GTK five at this point. Yeah, that that's uh, so we're we're a while away from that. So. At some point, XFCE does need to make the change to Wayland, and they will eventually drop the XORG fork if they want to if they want to stay a rel- relatively the, relevant product. Well, I, I think the reason. Yeah, sorry, Mac. I, I'm just oh. thinking that there's a good because I haven't seen anywhere where it says that they're going to actually keep the XORG version. Around. I'm assuming that they will, but it still feels very non-XFCE to me to have two different versions that they have to maintain because they don't do that they just maintain one thing yeah and that's the you're basing yeah you're basing all this on their track record which is not wrong but the wayland because wayland itself is not 100 percent ready it won't be ready by uh, 4.20 it's not only about wayland i uh, it's the fault of all the applications that people use out there they need to get updated to to have wayland support if not everybody is in uh, is in like harmony and updated to support each other. Yeah. The, the it's not worth it to to, to kill one uh, session for another. Well, if uh, so, X Wayland was perfect. If X Wayland was perfect and actually worked like across the board, it wouldn't be a problem because then X Wayland could just pick up the slack for anything that didn't work in Wayland. X Wayland would pick it up and it would just you know it would work in a whatever you know, way it was supposed to work, but it's not 100%. Things have to be, you know, developed to use X Wayland because obviously something that was developed, you know, 10 years ago or whatever has no clue to look for X Wayland, you know, so. But then again, 4.20 could be two years down the pike. Who knows when 4.20 will be up? Yeah, yeah, we are thinking because 4.18 and 4.19 came really, really fast. 420 could be three, four years from now. <laughs> I mean, it really could. It, yeah, it, it could be. Um, uh, and uh, you know what? That's that's fine because XFC software is generally like some of the most polished uh, desktop applications that we can actually get oh, on. Yeah, things don't break in XFC. <laughs> yeah, because they don't I, change. I'm, I'm, and <laughs> you you and you said something uh, on the previous episode that XFCE's uh, settings panel, if you know CSS, you can add whatever you want to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this is what makes uh, the XFCE settings uh, thing more attractive to me. Uh, that's why I chose it to uh, to use with the Hyperland in the version that I built for fun uh, uh, over the KDE uh, settings. Although, because a couple of episodes ago uh, of the uh, of Zero Bytes, we had uh, the main the developer, the creator of Hyperland, on as a guest. So uh, he was like, the best part of using KDE settings panel in Hyperland is that the settings that are not Hyperland specific or anything you can do when you uh, you are on Hyperland, they'll be hidden 
So you'll have a almost bare uh, KDE yeah. settings panel. And so. it's and it's simple because XFCE is like the one desktop desktop environment where it's actually POSIX compliant, where every tool is uniquely portable from each other. Yeah. Uh, that that's why when you install Thunar, Thunar doesn't have like uh, USB drive support. You have to install a separate package to be able to implement that into Thunar. Yeah. So, but. Uh, it's just to say that XFCE, there's one. The, the XFCE developers are to be admired because, like you said, it's very hard to break XFCE unless you use uh, PyCom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you if you use PyCom, just uh, stick you're to Compton. Have a bet. Yeah. <laughs> Either Compton <laughs> or stick to 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 whatever comes with XFCE. I forgot what it was called. XFCE Compositor. It's, yeah, it's uh, XFCE X- Comp. Um, but. Yeah. You could, I mean, you could always go back to Compass. <laughs> get some, get yourself some yeah. wobbly Windows, man. All right, um, moving on to or the cube, or the cube. Yeah, um, moving on to the contact information. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so in any number of ways. Probably the best way is to check out the website, which is available at linuxcast.org, which is where you'll find all the previous episodes, all the way back to season one, along with several of my blog posts, which you can. Uh, go there and peruse at your leisure. You, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast. You can subscribe to the channel at youtube.com slash the linuxcast. I think I messed that up. Patreon.com slash linuxcast. YouTube.com slash linuxcast. You know what I was talking about. Anyways. Uh, just, just Google the linuxcast and you find them. Yeah, I'm actually, it actually, the SEO did, did finally float to the top. Anyways, um, Josh has a website where you can find all of his stuff at 10 J dot com slash stalker steve has many places where you can find him the place you probably want me to uh, promote is youtube.com slash at zero linux with an x instead of a z those letters are different matt you know this and uh tyler who's not here is at youtube.com slash zanyog i should just say that because it's nice to do uh, you can find all of our contact information including the email address and all that stuff at contact or uh, excuse me at the linuxcast.org slash contact and uh, all that stuff is there easily for you to just to click on instead of having to type any of those things that I just set out. So that's really nice. So that's the contact information. I'm sure I forgot something. It wasn't as polished as I'd hoped it would be. Anyways, uh, moving on to the next one. So, uh, Josh, your next one. Uh, so uh, development for KDE Plasma version 6 has started. Just, just, you know, just in time to go back to talk about breaking desktop environments. Uh, of course, I understand that there's a certain somebody around here that maintains a uh, a distribution where its default desktop environment is KDE Plasma. So as a result, he's a big lover of KDE Plasma. I'm surprised he didn't report this article. So, but you know, uh, they, they've already shown off like uh, you know a new feature with KDE. Uh, big surprise right there, right? But the very first thing that they talk about is a settings panel actually being able to uh, show a being able to display a much wider variety of file types for like your default permissions, so like uh, your MIME types and, and such. So I think uh, the, there you can now have a separate dialer menu for in the event that you have a uh, have a phone connected through KDE Connect. I think that actually dynamically spawns. So if you don't have KDE Connect installed or even a device set up with it, it won't even show. And uh, it it's just got like a lot of cool little neat features that's just like in there like a wit like a border highlights and stuff in there which you know looks really cool in concept I don't know if it will actually work in practice though because you know it's KDE they they slap on these new features and then they just forget about them 
<laughs> but yeah, I'm sure, like, uh, like but, they, they might forget about the tiling thing they just yeah, introduced, which yeah, I they, didn't like they, at all. They they might forget about it, and you know what? They probably forget about that for the next three years until like somebody somebody decides that hey, you know what? I'm going to figure out how this KDE bug tracker works, and I'm going to figure out exactly which module its named is because you know the module name is completely different from like how it's presented to you to begin with. But it's fine because this is the KDE bug tracker, and it's perfectly fine. There's no problem with it whatsoever. Okay. Oh, the K, the KDE bug <laughs> tracker is kind of like the websites of uh, Eric Dubois. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's a lot of stuff everywhere. Okay, so let me put this out there. I think that people are going to be really disappointed in Plasma 6. Because you're going you're gonna to download Plasma 6 and it's going to look exactly like Plasma 5. Yeah, there's going to be a few polishes and stuff yep. like that, but it's going to look mostly the same. And they're going to wonder, what's the big deal? Why is this a, a version number bump? Like, obviously, what, obviously was, there's, what, was, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, stuff in QT6 that is going to enable them to do stuff over time, but when 6 comes out next year or whatever it is, it's going to look basically the same as KDE does now, and it's going to confuse a lot of people. That's my prediction. Steve, what were you going to say? I was going to say that people ask me, since Zero Linux is based on KDE, main, form, number one and foremost, but uh, they were asking me, okay, KDE Plasma 527 is going to introduce the welcome guide dialogue thing, Amajig. Are you gonna include it in Zero Linux? I'm like, where is it? How can I uproot it? Don't like it. Uh, so yes, I agree with you. Uh, it's gonna look exactly the same because all the work, as Nicolo mentioned in multiple of his videos, it's going to be mostly under the hood maintenance work and getting ready for. Um, better Wayland for NVIDIA, better uh, better handling of files, better handling of memory, better handling of multiple things. But that's where the majority of the work is uh, w would have been done for, uh, for Plasma 6. There will be a few changes, like on, on top, like the cherry on top, is a few features that are very uh useful for some users uh like uh, one one example is it's going to support uh i don't know if they mentioned it in this article i didn't get to read it but nicolo mentioned it once uh it's going to support mo uh, more online accounts uh it's uh, and better like they're going to have nextcloud and better support for nextcloud accounts uh, better support for google accounts uh google drive accounts and stuff like that they're going to work on under-the-hood stuff, but visually, it's going to look exactly the same with, uh, for example, it's mentioned in the article that Josh is talking about is uh, the accent colors. Now, uh, there will be support for full accent support from the wallpaper uh, rather than the limited accent colors that exist today in Plasma 5.26.27. So, One thing that uh, I'm really excited about is uh, I've actually been paying attention to like uh, the Planet KDE uh, website as well as I, I'm just like I've I'm just I sit idle in IRC chat rooms for, that KDE developers are in. They're doing a lot of under the hood changes changes specifically around making KDE frameworks less toxic to have to compile. Which uh, as a guy that uses Gen two, uh, I appreciate that. But uh, you have to realize that the that the pace for K that that KDE actually may well the pace that the the Plasma project 
updates is very unique compared to like all the other distributions. It's almost similar to Chromium, where uh, KDE Frameworks updates about every four weeks. Uh, there's a Plasma release every three months. There's a QT update like uh, for uh, for KDE's fork of QT because they don't use stock QT. They fork QT and they maintain mm. a version of QT that they base on. Uh, so that updates every two weeks, and it's 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 a weird and unusual uh, release cycle that actually does cause some chaos. And uh, they they they're working on a little bit a little bit way to uh, handle like uh, tra- transitions because throughout the course of Plasma Five, when f- there is a big difference between like say how an application like a a basic window window like their terminal uh, console. There is a very massive difference between modern console and Cursion 5.0 console. You can actually not get a modern version of a console to open up on an older version of KDE Plasma because the the KDE Plasma frameworks don't exist. Correct. And uh, And, uh, they're they're working also on KWIN because KWIN has been the bane of... uh... KDE's existence, it always had crashes, it always uh, misbehaves. They're, they're going to be uh, But you know, polishing. desktop cubes and wobbly windows. <laughs> they're going to be polishing that because, don't forget, they just added the uh, the tiling aspect of it. Uh, so that's more work for the compositor to do. So they cannot add that without polishing KWIN first. Uh, and their implementation of uh, manual tiling, uh, manual, however you're gonna call it, uh, it, the, the, it has a big problem. You cannot save your custom layouts. You can do them on the current session, but once you log out and log back in or exit the the, the tiling system, your your the layouts that you worked, let's say, 20 minutes to set up. Are gone. Expecting that tiling thing to be perfect right out of the bat, it would have been a mistake in the first place. It's the, it's the first version that they pushed out, so it's not surprising that it's not. And they're doing it. And if you notice, if you if you look closely at the introduction of the tiling system in KDE, it's I don't know, it's very close to Windows's version. Well, I think that's probably purposeful because people are used to it that's probably the reason why they didn't just take bismuth and you know use that uh, uh, bismuth is amazing uh, i i keep it around. it's on zero linux deactivated but it's there nobody noticed it yet yeah um so i have no problem with kde focusing on stuff that underneath the the hood in in plasma stick no, I, I don't either. have a problem with that whatsoever i just know people and I know that when people see, hey, look at this, this thing just got bumped up to a brand new version of of the thing. And, and when they see that it looks exactly the same, they're going to wonder what the big deal was. And, and the reason why I know this is because, uh, and all right, so this is on a, obviously on a much smaller scale, but do you guys, did you guys, you guys may not pay attention to the window manager, like community, whatever, but when DWM moved from 6.2 to 6.3, people freaked the fuck out. They did. I, I mean, really all, did. literally, the only thing they changed was one line, and cha- they changed. It was the version bump. That's all they did. They moved it from six point two to six point three, and people freaked out. I mean, like went absolutely. Well, now crazy. suddenly all their DWM builds were out of date, even though they were technically up to date because they're all under. Well, because well, the vast majority of people who use DWM probably started on six point two because it's been around for literally forever. 
uh, and probably had no clue how to update the version 6.3 because when was the last time you ever had to update DWM? Because it's been the same forever. Um, and, and then they almost immediately went to 6.4 and you're like, what kind of world are we living in? Uh, you know, and, and it's weird because like there were there were new features in 6.4, but there were no new ver- no new features in 6.3, and people were looking for them for weeks. Like, what changed? Even though they said in like the the release notes or whatever, like, hey, this is the- we changed one line, it changed the version number. That's all we changed. Um, yeah, people still looked for something that was different because DWM changes the version number so rarely. Um, and that's that's the, the same thing that's going to happen to this thing here is that you know. People are going to be looking for those user-facing changes, and it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how people react when there really, you know, aren't that many. Honestly, if you want to watch like a lot of their discussion, just uh, pull just uh, pull into Git repo for DWM, and then just type in Git log and just read all the messages. <laughs> it's that, some, <laughs> of it's, some of it's actually pretty hilarious. It goes like, "I'm changing this because this sucks. I'm changing this because your fix sucks. I'm changing this because it does absolutely nothing." Yeah, they don't. They don't <laughs> yeah. always get along all that well. <laughs> no, they really don't. <laughs> uh, okay, we guys, we have to. We really do have to move on. So, um, it, Steve, are you next? I think you're next, right? Yeah, he can be next. Okay, go ahead next. Yep. What's your? Uh, my second. Uh, my second story is something we talked about on uh, on my podcast. It's OBS Studio 29.01 that got released er, uh, yesterday. Or, Something like that, and today they released 29.02 as I was on the podcast. So, of course. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but the, the, it was one change added to the list of changes to 29.01. But basically, the list of changes are very important for some users, especially NVIDIA users, uh, because they fixed the NVIDIA Audio Effects SDK, which was outdated. Uh, uh, the NVIDIA Audio Effects SDK is outdated message appearing on the uh, on the noise reduction filter properties when the SDK wasn't installed, fixed a crash that could happen if you use NVIDIA Audio Effect filters and then later uninstall the SDK. There's a there's a common theme here, NVIDIA. <laughs> Fix, <laughs> fixed the expander and upward compressor audio filters uh, uh, sounding distorted. Added uh, a knee width option to the upward compressor audio filter to improve quality, and the fix for 29.02 was uh, another fix to the uh, to the compressor. Uh, fixed software rendering not working properly on Linux. Uh, they fixed a bug where the stats window panel would not uh, uh, would show an an incorrect disk, disk space calculation when pausing recordings happened to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, fi- fixed a Windows uh, a bug on Windows. That's not us. Uh, where the Force SDR setting in Window Capture wasn't showing up. Fixed a bug. Okay, I'm gonna skip that one. Is a macOS bug. Uh, fixed uh, fixed a bug where Linux captures would not work correctly on X11. So common on Linux. <laughs> I went through this so many times. Fixed a crash uh, on Linux when using Wayland. Not me. Uh, and trying to use the automatic scene switcher, fixed a bug where alpha wouldn't output properly when uh, setting OBS to use BGRA color format. Didn't see that one. Fixed a crash on startup when OBS was minimized. How many times? Thank you, OBS. Finally. Uh, fixed a bug 
where projectors could look washed out when projecting SDR content while using an HDR display. Uh, fix the crash when using the virtual camera as an OBS source and changing the canvas resolution. This had that as well. Sounds like this was a really big bug fix release, which is good. Um, Amazing. Uh, a, a few other RTMP fixes and uh, encoder settings. But yeah, that was a big bug fix release. Uh, it helped me. Uh, I don't see the, the, the crashes anymore. No more NVENC encoder issues. No more crashes. The, the, the only point release after a big like .o release is always big. Um, because they come up and yeah. fix the fix the bugs that were in the the one that had but all the changes. They fixed quite, but they fixed quite a lot of Nvidia and encoder. So you're saying that maybe I should take a time and recompile a brand new app image of OBS because I've been using a app image build of OBS that I generated based off of OBS 28 for a very long time now. <laughs> well, you have to use the Flatpak version uh, because Titan 6.5.2. I talked to him the other day. Uh, the reason it takes so long to compile the uh, his version from the AUR is because it uses the CEF certificates and stuff like that from Chromium. And he was like he had no choice but to do that because a lot of uh, browser plugins rely on that. It's true. So, uh, because so, Arch Linux doesn't support a uh, version of uh, the Chromium embedded framework that, that's compatible with OBS Studio because OBS Studio decides that they're going to standardize on such an old version of it. Which yeah. I don't necessarily blame them for because they they do that in the name of stability, which you know Arch is anything but a, a st stability focused distribution. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, having when you compile when you try to compile the Titan 6.5.2 version, it takes hours, literally hours, and sometimes errors, and then you have to uh, recompile from scratch. And oh, Jesus. sounds like fun. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was a major, a major point release this one, and uh, thank you, OBS developers, you're making our lives better. If only I have one remark. If only OBS can allow have a uh, uh, what's it called a um, overlay thing like uh, the other version, the fork of OBS has Streamlabs or whatever it is, yeah, yeah. Because for game streamers that I will be soon, uh, that's very helpful. Okay. Integrate that, please. Um, if I could say something to OBS, would you please, please make it so that transforms work better? Um, oh, yeah. I would agree on that because I did it today. Just, please. Just make yeah. transforms easier to do. Like We have a mouse. Let us drag and drop things in like transform mode. Instead of having to use the mouse wheel to hurly move up numbers like we're in the the, the 80s again <laughs> um yeah and i didn't know that i had to hold alt on my keyboard to do the transforms i kept because the the video i saw on how to do transforms he was using a mac and he kept saying option option, option. <laughs> i don't i do not like, i do not have this button <laughs> <laughs> i do not have this button what is option i'm like uh, I had to open my MacBook to see where the option is positioned to know. Oh, it's the Alt key. <laughs> okay, hold on a second. Are uh, you saying that you can use the Alt key to do transform? <laughs> oh, you Apparently. didn't know that? No. You didn't know that? No, I always open. I oh. always super E and then actually change the numbers. 
Why do you think it takes oh me so long? Oh my god. <laughs> For someone who does who relies on transforms, you didn't know that you could do it with the alt key? No, I didn't know that. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm, well, try. I'll be so, honest so, with you guys, I, I don't either. know what transforms realistically are, so uh maybe one of these days I'll take the time to figure it out because you know I'm still I still run the super okay. basic Alt don't it's a ca- the alt uh, it captures screen right, t- capture screen and then resize. T- tell me how this is supposed to work, Steve. Teach I mean, teach me right here in the podcast. Well, so this live right now. He's he's excited. <laughs> well, okay, because just holding Alt when some uh, an object is selected does not work. It just moves the the window because Alt in in XFCE is the modifier for dragging window around. Well, you're on XFCE. I'm on the KDE. Mm. Uh, so it's not gonna work for me, <laughs> bitch. Okay, um, I'll have to forget. <laughs> unless you unless unless you said it uh, somewhere, but. Uh, uh, what I did today was I, I took a, uh, I took the window, the, I made it pop up, uh, there was me and there was Jesse, and then I uh, took it again, I added another, uh, window capture, and then I resized it, uh, with the alt key, me, Jesse, and now I have two people, but the problem that, that I went through today is the one that you went through on the first episode, uh, where we started. Uh, whenever his camera is disabled, he's on the right. When he enables his camera, he switched to the left. So he becomes me, I become him. Yeah, that's him. not OBS's fault. That's Discord being a piece of shit. Um, no, I'm saying I went through that with Discord. Yeah, Discord, yeah. Discord is the thing that causes that thing, the cameras to move around. It's dumb. Luckily, it seems that no matter which order we join the room here, we are all do eventually get in the right order, but only once the cameras are turned on. Uh, yeah, when the cameras are turned on, the, it organizes it alphabetically. When the cameras are turned off, it's reverse alphabetical for some reason. That is so weird. Be right back. I'm going what transforms look like and and what's what's so great about them. Let's see, OBS <laughs> transformation. That way I can understand what you guys are talking about. But it, I'll worry about that later. We're we're it we're literally doing a podcast literally right now. just cuts out other parts. So w- when I have the whole Discord call, I can focus just in on your face, Josh, or just in on Steve's face. It just cuts out all the rest uh, of it. It's like it's basically cropping. Is basically what it does. That's what transforms are. Um, there's other things you can do like rotate and stuff like that if you wanted to do that, and and you can use it in concert with the transformation or the 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 transitions if you want, so that you can do transitions with tra- with transforms. But I, that, that gets way too complicated. Anyways, dude, we really we only have 15 minutes left. We have to go. Um, move, moving on to the to the last link of the thing, we'll just hit this really quick. Uh, the the Cosmic, the System76 guys have released more information about their new Cosmic desktop, which is supposedly going to happen this year. Uh, I will believe it when I see it, but we'll see. Um, anyways, they are they have released some more information. Basically, all the screenshots we've seen so far, even in the last kind of like info dump that they had, was all about their settings panel and the settings that they're adding to their desktop environment so they're focusing big on gestures and things like that in in this in this um uh press release that they 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 have out here and stuff like that and then they also have some more revamped settings and stuff for the uh the desktop environment and stuff they're modeling it's really weird because it's like their settings panels like half gnome half kde um yeah it's 
I mean, obviously, it's not actually based and forked off from those things. It's just it looks that way, right? It's 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 funky a little bit. Um, obviously, all this stuff is really really early, um, but if anything, it's very gnome inspired. Well, it is it is gnome inspired, but they've like made things smaller and then they've you know added the. I, I, They're experimenting right now. They're experimenting. If it's coming out this year, they better stop experimenting and decide. I'm just saying. <laughs> um uh i mean granted the year did just start but you guys it's here um i I don't know this desktop environment is very confusing me like i understand why they did it like they they wanted to leave behind gnome and stop having stop having to deal with extensions breaking every time gnome decided that they were going to update um which they do on purpose by the way (laughs) like we they they Mm -hmm. say they don't break extensions on purpose but they break them on purpose no, um, no, 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 no. That, that's a, the, a, a small uh, comment on that. I was, I was told uh, also, it's a feature, not a bug, because it all has to do with the the um, version numbers. No, it's no, it's not about version numbers only. It's like the underlying code of the desktop environment changes so drastically sometimes. Most of the time, when it go, you go from major version to major version, the uh, the extensions need to adapt. So they need a short period of time to adapt their code to the new uh, underlying uh, desktop environment. So uh, if you give the the extension developers some time, there are some extensions that break and that's it. They they take maybe six to seven months to get updated. I agree uh, on that. But the most important ones like Dash to Dock, Blur My My Shell, uh, Arc Menu and all these, they get immediately updated like within a few days to maximum a week after. And oh, there's... come on. There's one more extension that's much more important than any of those. That's caffeine. Ooh, yeah, that one. You gotta have longer. caffeine, especially if you're gonna be watching any, any like, live streams when you full screen the window. It's nice to, you know, not have your screen locked for you. Or if you're recording yeah, a video. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, or recording a video, or, you know, even playing a video game, because game controller input does not actually uh, stop the screen save. All right. Um, yeah, but there's a there's a fork that is always maintained, but well, it's yeah, a backup. There, it's a backup. There, there's a fork that's maintained now, but there was yeah. a period of time where, like, that fork even wasn't maintained. Anyway, so the Cosmic uh, Desktop it's, it's, is coming out this year. It'll be very interesting to see. I'm not going to try it on Pop OS. I would want. I want to. <laughs> I want to be a rebel and just try it on Fedora. How it works. <laughs> I'm sure somebody will. Pour I'm, I'm sure it'd be cool. Oh. All right. Anyways, that is it for the news. We have to run through the picks, the thingies of the week. So the last thing that we have to talk about is the thingies of the week. So we could have called this section anything, but we decided to call it thingies because everything else was trademarked and we didn't want to get sued. So I'm going to go first. I'm very, very, uh, I can go very, very quickly because everyone's heard of this one. This is called Conky. It's basically a system info slash whatever you want it to be type of thing. And it will put basically, again, whatever you want on your desktop. You, I've seen people use it as their complete bar setup if they wanted to do that. I, I don't do that. You could probably notice if you've seen my main screen and if you're watching the video, I have Conky over here on the side and it just shows me the weather. It shows me my current YouTube subscriber count. Thanks to Linux Dabbler for uh, giving me his script on that. And then my RAM usage. That's bas- and that's basically it. Um, I like Tavit. I don't like it in a tiling window manager where you hardly ever see the desktop, but in a floating window manager where things are moving around and you oftentimes see your wallpaper, uh, having some data there or just something there that gives you some extra 
stuff has been really, really nice. And the configuration is not hard at all. Like, I always thought that the configuration for Conky would be, you know, difficult, but it's just... It, Lua! It's just, Lua. it's just variable. It's just variable-based. That's literally all it is. Like, you set variables, and it has preset variables, and yeah. you just call the variables. That's literally the way you do it, so... But it's written in Lua, right? I don't know. It's not configured in Lua. Uh, Conky itself is written in Lua, but it reads CSS yeah. scripts. Yeah. So it's it, yeah. Like it's it's not. If it was configured in Lua, I would like it less. Um, I'm just putting that out, <laughs> out there. It's it's definitely but, not configured in Lua, or at least maybe at least have, the way I'm doing. I I did see other people do their configuration files different, so maybe you can configure it in Lua. Um, you can. But I don't. I just use variables that are predefined and stuff like that so um it was very easy one thing that i really like about conky is that you can actually create dynamic menus that are that are indexable and interactable uh so yeah. like if you've ever looked at like regolith linux before that's a uh, it's an ubuntu spin with a with i3 they're very opinionated if you if you're an i3 fanboy already you will probably absolutely i hate it, hated it. it you know yeah yeah but anyways they have this wonderful conky menu that sits on the desktop that you can click you can look at all the key bindings and stuff like that uh even even uh distro tubes uh download package for like his his desktop environment will at at runs a similar script much like that too and you know caffeine is just one of those it's a very underappreciated application because it can do cool things i've seen complete file managers and terminal environments written in with just uh with just conky script yeah it's very and it's uh, very extensible it's very nice it, it's super it's it's kind of it's what it's one of those really cool things about Linux that you wish that more people actually used or actually remembered existed. Well, pe- people well, take a look uh, at Conky and think that man, where are you like, like from the nineties? Why are you still using Conky? <laughs> uh, what were you gonna say, Steve? Yeah, well, I was going to say that uh, you, uh, win- you being a window manager guy, having uh, everything tiled on your window, uh, why do you even have a wallpaper? It's like you you barely see it. And then have, having, uh, and then when you minimize or close windows, it's the rare times you see your wallpaper. It, you it's go, the same reason as to why I ask why you have a transparent terminal on zero Linux. Well, <laughs> I'm an XFC now, so it makes a lot more sense to me. I think if I was still using i3, it wouldn't make sense to me. Um, but related to Conky, uh, uh, for me, I don't use Conky for one simple reason: is if I forget my monitor turned on uh, for whatever reason. Uh, it causes burning. It stays uh, like for for a few days and then it disappears. I even see it on Grub when I reboot my system and I'm on Grub. I can still see the conky. Things move around on my system so often, nothing stays that. I mean, yeah. So, uh, Josh, your thingy of the week. Uh, my thingy of the week is something that Zero Linux actually t- reminded me exists. It's called ButterFS Assistant. So, uh, if you've ever used anything like uh, Garuda Linux, uh, it's actually they have their own fork of this project. But it's, but uh, if you use the ButterFS file system on your desktop machine, this is actually one of those applications that I actually highly recommend to the point where you're just like you probably should be installing it. Because uh, as a guy that uses ButterFS on both my desktop and my servers, uh, there's one thing that I forget to do quite often. That's called scrub and balance the file system. Which, if you're going to be doing anything with like da- data integrity management, you want to be able to run those scrubs and balances because the balances help uh, rebalance your rate arrays and make sure that your rate arrays are working like they should and that files are you know mirrored like they should be. Uh, scrubs make 
it does a complete check some of the entire file system, make sure that everything's great. It even integrates with Snapper, a tool that I've talked about multiple times uh, on like my own channel, where uh, it, you can manage your uh, snapshot, your file system snapshots, create. You can even schedule and prune prune snapshots from it. It's a very well designed tool just for ButterFS management. So uh, and uh, honestly, like I'm I'm surprised that like uh, a tool like this is actually still around and not more people use it. Especially ButterFS users, which I am not. I'm an XFS user, but uh, actually ButterFS Assistant is by the Garuda, one of the Garuda developers. Uh, yeah, but he, it, it, there, there's two different versions. It's kind of weird, or it's just like the, you have the standalone version that the one guy develops, and then Garuda has like a separate fork of it from the looks of it. Well, uh, uh, well, it was created by Dragonfire, this one, I think. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, it's not a fork. It's a better implementation. It's, it's, it was in the works for a long time, from what he told me. Uh, because uh, I came up with the idea back in the day, very early days of Zero Linux, where someone kept, uh, you know how with uh, a snapper, to be able to restore a snapshot, you have to, to boot uh, live ISO and then ch root and yeah. do all, yeah. Uh, there was no GUI that did it with a click. So we yeah, uh, and uh, that's something that Timeshift has had that uh, snapper that snapper or even snapper the snapper GUI program did not have. Exactly. And, uh, so uh, there was a developer who created an app for Zero Linux that did that, but it was so basic, it was just a couple of buttons. But uh, on the back end, it was doing a lot more. So, uh, not you didn't have to ch root or do anything. You would click of a button, you could restore uh, to a previous snapshot. But then the Garuda uh, brains uh, saw interest uh, arising around Snapper, so they created a better version of what the developer uh, of mine created for zero Linux. Uh, that's well, why it, mine now is dead. it's it's not that uh, there was a lot of momentum behind snapper there always has been a lot of momentum behind snapper because snapper is actually developed and created by open susa okay i uh, guys mm. i'm gonna have to steve are you gonna lose power in three minutes no okay then i'm not I'm, then i'm not gonna you guys can carry on <laughs> if you're just gonna disappear <laughs> off the face of the earth i want to make sure you can get your thingy of the weekend uh <laughs> no 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 don't worry because it's an unlimited weekend i keep the i keep the generator on uh because it's unlimited i can download whatever i want um so my thingy of the week is something that i wanted to talk about for so long because i've been using it for over five years uh uh it's called AirDroid. it's a uh, <laughs> It's a website, basically, but somebody created a uh, an electron or using native buyer uh, to, to make it into a separate app. Uh, but what uh, AirDroid is, basically, you download an AirDroid client on your phone. It's better than KDE Connect. I can guarantee you that. Uh, not really so the same it, things, are they? Uh, well, you can access uh, you can access your phone, not only access it by uh, like KDE Connect, but you can install, uninstall applications, send messages, uh, read your email. If you go to uh, airdroid.net, I think, or .org, I forget. Airdroid, yeah, it's airdroid.com. Uh, 
you can see what it uh, what it looks like. But once you uh, once you uh, uh, launch the client on your phone, you can either subscribe to an online account so you can access it from anywhere. Like if you if you have a tablet at home and you run Android on it and you want to access your tablet from anywhere, you can do that. But uh, if you want to do it just locally, you can just input your IP address with a port number in in your browser and you can do it that way but airdroid now is an app it automatically detects your phone on your network and it prompts you to uh, allow access uh, to your phone and once you g allow it access you can do whatever your heart desires on your phone uh, you can send emails receive e read emails send messages sms uh, uh, install applications access your photos your videos and so much more. It's an amazing tool that saved my hide, even on iPhone. Now it supports iPhone, uh, you know, limited, because iPhone doesn't give you access to, uh, to your system. So you cannot install and uninstall apps, but you can still send SMS, uh, which, read your email. Which one do you have to download in order to get it to work? Android, per Android Personal, Android Cast, or one of the other ones? Uh, it's just called AirDroid. Uh, on my iPhone, it's called AirDroid. Uh, when I was I using, imagine uh, it's AirDroid Personal that you install on your machine. And then if I look at AirDroid here, uh, there's an application of AirDroid as well. File and remote access. That's probably the one you want. Yeah. And then there's... it looks like everything else is just a plug It's personal. Account. It's personal that you have to download. Uh, that said, uh, Steve, you actually don't need to pay them any money to do this for you because you know you know that you can just create a uh, a uh, mesh VPN network using some using a uh, self-hosted uh, service like Headscale or you know a paid support service like Tailscale to be able to do this yourself. Not a sponsor. No. Yeah. Well, this is for normal users. <laughs> uh, if you want to be somebody like you, Josh, yeah, I would use that, but. Uh, it's simple. Download, launch, uh, download the app on your phone, connect, you're done. Uh, you can do whatever you want. Even my grandma can do it. Uh, not that I have any grandma still alive, but if they were, they would be able to. That use went that. dark fast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can use it on a, for a personal, uh, for personal use, or you can use it for businesses uh, on a large scale to support more devices and. Stuff like that, but it's an amazing tool. I recommend it to all Android users. iPhone users, not so much because eh, it's very limited. But for Android users, it will save you literally. Like I, when I used to use Android, I used to flash my my uh, my phone like uh, I don't know uh, 50 times a day. So it saved me. Say to, to back up, you can download everything on your phone as a single zip file. That's the best cool. part. That's the thing that saved me. That does sound cool. Um, all right, so that is it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, coming up next week, we will be doing the exact same thing, just with different topics. Uh, and uh, Tyler, again, will be off next week, so it'll be just the three of us. We had a good time today, boys. It was really fun. If you want to uh, – if you have thoughts on any of the things we, we uh, talked about today, you can leave those in the comment section below. Uh, if you're looking for timestamps on any of the podcasts, those do show up a couple hours after the stream ends. So if you're already here uh, and listening to me say this, even after you know, like watching the replay, I apologize that I didn't say it at the beginning, but timestamps do always show up on the podcasts eventually. 
So in the future, if you want to watch afterwards, you can and skip around to where the t wherever you want to listen to that, which is nice. So uh, before I go, I should take a moment to thank my current patrons. Thanks to everybody who does support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash linuxcast. You guys are all absolutely amazing. Without you, the channel would not be anywhere near where it is right now. So thank you so very, very much for your support. I truly do appreciate it. We record this live every Saturday around 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. Today we were running late because I was... I did not know the transform trick. Thanks for holding out on me, Steve. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, any, anyways, um, um, like I said, live every Saturday, 3 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time or thereabouts if you want to watch. YouTube.com slash LinuxCast. We'll see you guys next week. See ya. Wine 8.1 is out. That should have been your news article. <laughs> Just got released. <laughs> It's uh, they're releasing well, updates on the they're bright releasing... side. On the bright they're... side, the GNOME sound recorder has yet to crash. <laughs> <laughs> okay, stopping.